Good morning, everyone. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, right? Who believes this morning that God saves? We just come out of a season where we saw him die on the cross. But we also in that season saw him raised from the dead. It's through that blood and it's through the resurrection that we are saved, that we have new life. And this morning, we're going to sing out on the fact that it is in the name of the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we are saved. If you know this song, sing out. We've sang it a few times. It may be fairly new to you. But the message is simple. Our God saves. You can't go wrong with that message, right? I invite you to stand with me and let's worship together. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Son, in the name of Spirit, Lord, we come, we're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on your Savior, to fall on your grace. that again? Hey, turn my mic up. All right, here we go again. One more time in the name of the Father, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son. In the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. We're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering. As your saints bow down, as your people sing, we will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world will see that. Our God saves, our God saves, there is hope in your name. sound. It didn't have to be pretty. So I want to be able to hear you singing over us up here. I'm going to tell you, that encourages us too. So hear that, whatever it is that comes out of your mouth, but be loud and proud about it, right? Hear the joyful sound because you know that God has saved you. 
of our offering. We're bringing an offering of praise before him today. We're going to sing that part and sing that chorus again, and then we're going to open in prayer. Okay, here we go. Hear the joyful sound of our offering As your saints bow down, as your people sing We will rise with you, lifted on your wings And the world will see that Yes, the world will see that Our God saves Our God saves There is Lord, we do thank you for your presence among us this morning. Lord, we do want to proclaim the fact that we are, are very joyful, that we should not be ashamed to sing out and, and make that known, that you and you alone can say, Father, there are many things in this world that will tell us this is the solution to your problems. There's many self-help books, but there's only one self-help book that I rely on, Father. That's the holy word of God. There's only one person that I know that died for my sins and raised himself through his uh, father's power from the dead, that, that we have life everlasting. There's only one person that I know of that is preparing a place, Father. So that we talk about joy, we talk about hope, and we talk about those things today, Lord. I know that we have an amazing future ahead of us. But in the meantime, God, you have sent us help. And we are thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as we continue on with our time of worship today, I ask that the Holy Spirit would just fall among us, Lord. Fall down on us and move in a mighty and powerful way. Speak to the deepest and darkest parts of our hearts. Bring light to needs of our heart that we need to change, we need to become better at, that, that we need to do differently, Lord, so that we can thrive in a world as a Christian that says that we shouldn't be a Christian, that we can move forward and proclaim that message of the gospel in a world that says, be quiet, Christian one. We should not be silent about what you have done for us. So don't let us be silent and hear about it, Father. We love you. Thank you for your, your, your time of, of bringing us into your presence this morning. Continue to usher us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. For those who are visiting with us today, we're welcoming you for the first time. You do have a little visitor's card there. We do want you to make sure you take time to fill that out. Drop it into the offering plate when the offering is taken up a little bit later on. We do have a familiar uh, face missing from us today. And as many of you do know, Pastor John's father did pass away this past Tuesday. And um, John and Peggy um, were um, down in, in uh, Louisiana all week long. And um, unfortunately... It's just not something you ever want to do. And I've been there. I've done that with both of my parents, very young ages. And um, doesn't matter how young or how old they get, burying a parent is never something that's easy. So I covet and I beg of you, lift your pastor and his wife in prayer. Because they're vulnerable right now. They'll be under attack. We've got a revival coming up. We've got a community picnic coming up. We've got things already planned into the summer coming up. And Satan will use... The smallest little thing to tear him down, to keep him from doing what God has called him to do, shepherd us. 
and share that message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I implore you, cover him in prayer nonstop. Do not stop. We just came out of the 31 days of prayer for his birthday month. If you need to pick that book back up and do it again, do it. But do not fail to pray for your pastor and his wife. They will be vulnerable. And we ask Satan, we demand that Satan leaves from his presence. And only God helps him and surrounds him. And that we as a church lift him up, not only in prayer, but encourage him. Let him know you love him. Let him know you support him. And you're here for him, okay? Um, but today, we do have a guest with us filling in from Camden First. If you haven't seen this white-haired-looking fellow down here, if you don't know him, this is Pastor Scott Crandall. He's associate and teaching pastor down at uh, Camden First. So let's give him a warm welcome. And uh, you will get to hear from him a little bit later on. He'll be our guest speaker with us this morning. And tonight we have the, the, uh, the, the fun. I say fun because I always get uh, a fun time when I hear this man, this fun, exciting time of, of a message with Larry Kimbrough. If you, I tell you, if you don't have a smile from ear to ear when you hear Larry preach, there's something wrong in your soul. So you uh, make sure you're back here tonight. Uh, great time of worship, and we will get to hear from Brother Larry. So we look forward to having you with us tonight. At this time, Miss Terry's going to come. We are um, in um, a very... Uh, unique month within Compassionate Ministries, um, so she's going to come and tell us a little bit more about that, and um, we'll have some more information next week that she will be sharing with y'all, okay? That's fine. So Jesus said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That's Matthew nineteen fourteen. So we all know that next Sunday is Mother's Day. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the child sponsorship program. The reality, poverty leaves children vulnerable. 1.8 billion children under 15 live in our world, all created in God's image, but about half of them are living in poverty, and one in three, one in three lives on less than a dollar a day. Count to 60. In that time, 21 children under the age of five have died mainly due to poverty-related diseases and malnutrition. That's over 30,000 children who die every day, mostly from preventable causes. The reality, poverty robs children of their potential. Globally, nearly one in five children has never had a chance to attend school. The reality, poverty forces children to grow up too fast and steals their childhood. One of every six children ages 5 to 17, works as a child laborer. 73 million are under the age of 10. Every one of these children is loved by God. You can change a child's story from one of poverty to one of possibility. You can give hope for a better future. You can sponsor a child in need for just $30 a month. Your sponsorship will provide a child with Bible-based lessons, knowledge of Jesus' love, a chance at a hope-filled future, education, nutrition, life, and social skills. Child sponsorship creates a personal relationship between a sponsor and the child. So next Sunday, I have um, some names of children that need a sponsor. It's $30 a month, and if you think about that, if you go out to eat one time, just you and your spouse, that's 30 bucks there. Um, but if you'll think about it, pray about it, and ask God to direct you, 
Uh, next Sunday, I will have some names to give out, and you'll hear um, one of our childs that is being sponsored, you'll hear a letter from them. Pastor John called me last night, and he just wants the church to know that him and Peggy appreciate your prayers, appreciate your love, appreciate the flowers, and that he misses us, and he will either be back Monday, I mean Tuesday or Wednesday. They have to go get some paperwork done, and he's going to stay there and help his mom get the paperwork done. But pray for him as they travel back home, and Peggy is doing better. She has actually been sleeping, so with that broke clavicle, she's, you know, had a little discomfort, but she's doing better, and he said, tell everybody he loved them, and thank y'all, and just keep praying for them. And just one more um, thing here before we move forward. Uh, just a quick card here from Glenda Bankhead. Uh, she wanted to make sure that uh, her church family um, knew how much she appreciated She said, I want to thank you all for my flowers. Uh, Y'all sent me um, in the passing of my stepfather, and um, even though you didn't have to do it, you do it anyways, and it's much appreciated. So uh, thank you for for sharing uh, the card, and uh, make sure if you um, participated and helped in that, um, know that she was very appreciative of that. Now, also, uh, Jimmy and and Glenda were recognized last week for uh, a DSA award. Very special day, and uh, they have a thank you uh, card to each of each and every one of you. Jimmy and I want to thank you for the Distinguished Service Award. We were very surprised. My wife said, "If you could have seen the look on her face when the family was coming in, it, I think it probably changed from you know four or five different emotions from huh to surprised to shocked to happy to wait." No, really, what's going on here? What's happening? Did someone die? What's happening? Am I happy? Am I sad? She did. She, bless her heart. Her face probably went about uh, 50 different expressions in a matter of five microseconds here. So uh, <laughs> we were very surprised, uh, she says. We love each one here. We love God, and we love our church uh, family. So thank you so much uh, from Jimmy and Glenda Bankhead. So, um, yeah, and again, um, very special people to us in our congregation, and we're grateful to have you all. If we'll continue to uh, uh, move in our time of worship, invite you to stand with us as we continue to, to sing. Part of our praise, oh, 
Your glory on our face, we're looking to the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty free
feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thinking compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord. holy spirit you are Your presence, 
Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord we're going to continue with this song here okay I um I sense that there's someone in here that needs to be overcome by the presence of the Spirit, right? And that's the beauty of, uh, of a church that believes that there's not a specific, very specific time that you can come to the altar. That there's any time that the Spirit moves in your heart that you can come down to this place and meet Him and pray with Him. And uh, as we continue with singing this song again, if you need the Holy Spirit to come and meet with you, He's here, He's filling this atmosphere and He's calling on you. If you need him, you need to come. Don't stay there. Step out. Come and kneel and bring your needs before him. Maybe you're interceding for somebody. Maybe you're struggling with your own little demons and things that you've got going on in your life. Maybe you need to be strengthened in your walk or where you are in your, your, your relationship with God. That's the thing about this altar. No one ever judges why you're here. We only support prayer that you need while you're here. We're going to sing this again. I want you to come. This will be our prayer time, our prayer song, and then pastor's going to come and lead us in our time of prayer. We're going to pick up back on uh, Holy Spirit, um, pick back up on that uh, verse 1, Andrew, for the second time, okay? There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more. That will ever come close Nothing can compare You're our living hope Your presence, Lord I've tasted and seen I'm the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be over. 
Gracious God, we are thankful for the presence of your Spirit among your people here today. We're thankful for the great love that you have for us, that you would go to the cross for us, that you would suffer and die for us. What great love that is, Lord, and we thank you for it today. Lord, we're, we're thankful that at the cross our, our shame was undone, that we were set free. We're thankful for the freedom that we have in Christ, freedom over the power of sin in our lives, freedom from that shame of things that we've done. We're thankful for the fact that our sins have been separated from us as far as the east is from the west, Lord. We give you thanks for that truth today. And Lord, we're thankful for this great privilege that we have in prayer. That we can come before you and, and lift up our needs to you today. So Lord, we join our hearts together in solidarity with our brothers and sisters, those who are kneeling in an altar of prayer today and those out throughout the sanctuary, Lord. We, we lift up these prayers today and we add our agreement to them, Lord. And, and Father, we, we pray today for those who have a need who have a specific need, whether it be financial or, or material or, or it's a, maybe it's a relationship that needs to be restored. Maybe it's a, an emotion that needs to be dealt with. Lord, we pray that you would meet that need today. And Lord, we pray for Pastor John today as he grieves the passing of his father. We pray for him and his family. Lord, be with them as they grieve, draw near to them. May they sense your presence even in this very moment. May they be overcome by a sense of your presence. May they know that you 
walk with them through this time of grief. And along with Him, we lift up all who mourn today. We know that 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 pain just doesn't go away in a short period of time. So Lord, all who grieve today, may they sense and know Your presence and Your love. Lord, we want to pray today for the children that were mentioned earlier. Lord, those who are languish in poverty, who have to go to work just as small children, who are uh, oppressed by, by those who are bigger and stronger, Lord, we pray that You'd be with them. Lord, that You would help them in their circumstance. And that, Lord, that as a, as a church body around the world that we can, we can help through our generosity. And Lord, we pray for the church all around the world. We pray for those who are meeting in homes today, who are meeting in churches today, who, who are kind of wondering whether or not some radical group is going to come after them, who are in fear of their own government. Lord, we pray for the persecuted church today, that you would, you would help them to be strong and faithful. And Lord, that you would watch over them and protect them. Lord, we thank you today for all that you do for us. And Lord, as we move through the rest of this service, may your word speak to our hearts. May we be shaped and conformed into the Christ-like people that you want us to be. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, If the ushers would come forward, we'll continue our worship through the giving of tithes and offerings.
I'm a little hoarse, so y'all can pray for me. Amen. 
Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that testimony. Amen. And I'm glad to be here. I wish it was under better circumstances, but I'm glad to be with you here today. You know, I, uh, I reckon you're all familiar with the story of the three little pigs, right? You know, the first little pig, he built his house out of straw, right? He built his house out of straw. He thought it was good. He's maybe kind of a lazy pig and didn't, you know... Uh, think much about uh, how sturdy his house ought to be and then sure enough here comes the big bad wolf and he says little pig little pig let me in and the pig says not by the hair of my chinny chin chin well I'll huff and I'll pluff and I'll blow your house in and then sure enough he blows the guy's house over and the little pig runs to his brother's house that house is made out of wood I guess that pig had a little bit, little bit more gumption, a little bit more industry, a little bit more forethought. But uh, sure, the wolf comes to that house and he says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And uh, those two little pigs, they're like, no way, we're not letting you in. Get out of here. And he says, I'm going to huff and puff. And they're like, go ahead. And he huffs and he puffs and it's strong enough and it blows that house down. And those little pigs go to their brother's house and that house is made out of bricks. And the wolf wants in again. He figures he's got food for days. If he, you know, three pigs, he'll have leftovers. He tufts and he puffs, but he can't get in there. And we all know that in the end, it doesn't turn out good for the wolf because that third little pig, well, his house was built well. Well, how many of you know that life is going to huff and puff at us, right? Life's rough. I mean, we might as well face it. Life's rough. It's harder when you don't build your house well, when your house isn't built on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. So it's important that we construct a life that by the grace of God can withstand the storms of life. Jesus told a story kind of like that. It's found in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. That'll be our text for this morning. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. I wonder if you would, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today. Hear the Word of the Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man 
building a house, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground with a found, without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Let us pray. Father, we are indeed thankful for your word to us today. We're thankful for how it instructs us, what it means to us. Lord, I pray that by your Spirit you would allow your word to examine our hearts today and see where we might have a need, where we might need to make a change, that it might challenge us, comfort us, inspire us, Lord, that it might do in us whatever needs to be done. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. You may be seated. In our text this morning, Jesus has made it clear that it's important that we build our lives on a solid foundation. The imagery or the illustration that Jesus uses here is clear enough, right? I mean, there are some sayings of Jesus that are mysterious. He says a lot of things that are kind of difficult to understand, but I think this one is pretty clear. He's saying that building a life is like building a house. They both need to be based on something solid, immovable, and strong. See, building a house or a life With a fine outside appearance is one thing, but building a house or life that will survive the torrents of this life, everything that this life is going to throw at us, and to live a life that will bear up under the judgment of God in the life to come, well, that's another matter altogether, and it requires digging down deep and building on a firm foundation. That's why when you buy a house, you want to have a home inspection, right? You might go out there and see a house that you like and you put an offer in on it, but it's always contingent on a home inspection. And the home inspector comes out and he checks all your electrical outlets and he climbs up on the roof and he goes through the attic. But probably the most important thing that the house inspector is going to do is he's going to open up that crawl space and get down on his belly and look at your foundation. And he's going to give you a report on whether you have a firm foundation or not because we don't want anything to do with a house that's got a bad foundation. That's not an investment you want to make, is it? Because at first glance, a house built on the sand can look just as good as a house built on solid ground. It can have a nice yard. It can have lots of cabinet space, big closets, a dishwasher. It can get lots of light and maybe even it has a pool. The only difference is when the storm comes, one house will be strong enough to stand and the other house will collapse. 
And when houses collapse, people get hurt. The same thing happens when people's lives fall apart too. People get hurt. And it's usually not just the builder who suffers. See, sin has a way of getting out of just that one person's life and getting out into other places. When a life falls apart, it affects the spouse. It affects the family. It affects the children. It can affect the church, the workplace. There's no such thing as a victimless sin. When lives fall apart, when houses collapse, people get hurt. A foundationless life is just like that. It can look good from the outside, but eventually it's headed for a collapse. And as an outside observer, you may not even see it until it comes. And even though you don't normally see the foundation or the ground that a house is built on, it's really the most important part of the whole house. So then, what we should probably explore this morning then is then what is the nature of a strong foundation? What does a firm foundation call for? What does it require as we build our life on it? Well, first of all, solid foundation requires contact with the ground, solid ground. You can't just start laying boards right on top of the ground and start building that way. The weight of the building will cause it to sink into the soft topsoil, or erosion can cause the ground to wash away or shift right out from underneath the building. That's why you have to dig down deep and get in contact with something solid before you can start building up. You know, in the city of Venice is built on 118 smaller islands in the Laguna Vigneta. It's a large protected lagoon off the eastern coast of Italy in the Adriatic Sea. They, they went out there, the original residents of Venice went out there and built in the 5th century in order to escape the barbarians who were raiding villages and doing barbaric things like barbarians do. They wanted to get away from them. They went out there for protection. But how could they build on those soft, marshy islands? Well, what they did is they, they took poles and drove them down, down, down into the ground until they hit bedrock, until they hit something solid. And now those same poles that were driven into the ground all those years ago have been petrified by the salt water and are harder than rock. And so the whole city of Venice is built on these wooden pillars that have been driven all the way down into the ground until they hit solid rock. The same thing should be true for us today. In order to build our lives on a firm foundation, we have to be in contact with solid rock, with the rock of ages, with the rock of our salvation. In other words, the indispensable first step to building our life on a firm foundational foundation is a personal saving relationship 
with Jesus Christ. The first step is conversion, and without it, nothing else matters. Now, I'm not talking about church attendance. You can come to church all the time and not necessarily be saved. I'm not talking about family association, the fact that your, your grandma was the NMI president for 50 years or that granddad built this church means nothing for your own personal salvation in the eyes of God, or trying to be a good person, or some class that you took, or some ritual that you went through, that's not going to save you. No, I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, what the firm foundation is, that first step is, is a heart changing, world rocking, guilt freeing, sin forgiving, child of God making eternal life conversion. I'm not talking about a What I'm talking about here is a once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I see born-again salvation. A personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That is bedrock. So if you don't have that yet, keep digging until you get there. Because all who attempt to build their lives in any other way are just building on shifting sands that will disappear right out from under their feet. Have you ever gone to the beach and you stand right right where the waves are coming up on the shore, where the sand is wet? If you stand there for a while, a wave will come and you can feel the sand just pulling away from your feet, just, just disintegrating. The sand is just being washed away right out from under your feet. And you begin to sink down. You have, to, you have to adjust your stance so that you won't fall. You see, if we try and build our life on anything else, that's just what it's like. It just washes away. If you're going to build your life on the hope of great wealth, you think that money's going to keep you safe. It'll just wash away right out from under your feet. If you think that being connected, knowing the right people is going to make your life solid, they'll turn their back on you. It'll just wash out from under your feet. Anything else besides relying on God and basing your life upon His Word, having a personal saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Anything besides that relationship is shifting sand, and it's going to wash away. But if you're not there yet, I want you to know this morning that it's really not too hard. It's not a hard thing to get saved, because it's not anything that we do. It's something that God does in us, and all that we have to do is to Receive the free gift that it is. Just repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus. Because it's never too late to start building your life on the rock. So, once we've done that, then we're building on solid ground. Then we've got to start. And so the next step is to gather the materials that we need to start building on that foundation. 
And how do we gather those materials? Well, we listen to Jesus. So the next step to a well-built life, a life that stands up against the storms of this life and the fires of judgment, is knowing the Word of God. And I'm sure that you all do that here, don't you? You have Sunday school classes and Bible studies. You come to church, you listen to the preached Word, you get to know the Word of God. You see, what I or any of us has to say about anything is not nearly as important as what God has to say to us. Because we know, when we know the Word of God, what we're doing is we're, we're learning then the principles that are contained in His Word. And then each of those principles is like laying a concrete block on that foundation. And we continue to use those principles to build on the foundation, to establish those foundational principles in our lives. Principles like kindness, love, forgiveness, and generosity. Principles like, like honesty and justice and compassion. As well as principles about family life, church life, and work life. And these are the principles that we need in order to lay a firm foundation to build a good and godly life. So we need to learn them. And the way that we learn them is by reading our Bibles, by coming to church and hearing the Word of God preached and taught, and by participating in all various kinds of discipleship opportunities. That's how we acquire these foundational building blocks that we need. But until we start building with them, until we start doing these things that we've read about in the Bible and heard about in Sunday school, it's really just a, a pile of building materials, all just as useless as a two-by-four sitting in the lumberyard. See, the church can teach you the Word. You could read your Bible through in a year. You could memorize a hundred scriptures. You could embroider them on pillows or paint them on your craft projects and then go hang them on your walls. But until you do them, until you begin to live according to God's Word, none of that is going to do you any good at all. There's an author named Francis Chan who uh, has a really good illustration about this. He talks about his daughter, Grace. And he said to his daughter, Grace, go. I want you to go clean your room. And his daughter disappears off into her room for a while, and then later on he goes to check on her, and she hasn't cleaned her room at all. He says to her, Grace, I told you to, to clean your room. Why haven't you cleaned your room? And she says, Oh, Father... I heard your words that you spoke to me. Go clean your room. And I've been in here thinking about cleaning my room and what it might look like if I were to clean my room. And I want you to look. I colored a picture. 
and I wrote the words, clean your room on them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang that on my wall. And In fact, I've invited my friends to come over, and we're going we're gonna to meditate on what it might look like if I were to clean my room. We're so like that, aren't we? Oh, we'll talk about the Word. We'll imagine what it might look like someday if we were to do what the will of God was. God just wants us to do it. He just wants us to do it. As it says in James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, the reason Jesus brings up this whole discussion at all and uses this illustration is because some claim that He is their Lord, yet they do not do what He says. Look at verse 46. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And He says this right after preaching what we call the Sermon on the Plain, in which he has laid out many of the most important principles in the Bible of his whole teaching. He talks about uh, life in the kingdom of God. His radical ideas about how the poor and the hungry and the persecuted are actually blessed and how we are to love even our enemies and do for others what we would want done for us. And as he comes to the end of this sermon, he seems to be saying, y'all are nodding your heads now, but it's what you do after you leave this place that really matters. And it's the same for us. You might say amen to the sermon and you might voice your agreement to the, the teachings of Jesus in your Sunday school class, but until you do these things... You're not building the kind of foundation that Jesus commends to us here. We're not really building a foundation until we hear what God is saying to us and put it into practice in our lives. In 1174, the Italian Italian architect Bonanno Pisano began working on what would become his most famous project, a separately standing eight-story bell tower in the city of Pisa. There was just one little problem, though. Builders quickly discovered that the soil was much softer than they had anticipated, and the foundation was, was too shallow to adequately hold the structure. And before long, it began to tilt, And it continued to tilt until finally the architect and the builders realized that nothing could be done to make the leaning tower of Pisa straight again. It took 176 years to build the tower of Pisa. And during that time, many many things were tried to try and compensate for the tilt. The foundation was shored up. The upper levels were even built at an angle to try and make the top of the tower look straight, but nothing worked. The tower has stood for over 800 years, but it leans 18 feet away from where it should be. And one day, experts say, 
it will fall. All because it wasn't built on the right foundation. That's what happens when we don't build on a firm foundation. Our lives get off center. They begin to lean. And eventually, we fall. So to establish our life on a firm foundation, we must first of all know Jesus and be in a saving relationship with Him. And then we hear His words and put them into practice. Then we will be like the one whose house is built well. See, in life, trials and tribulations are bound to come against us. But if we have built our life on the rock and laid a firm foundation by both hearing and doing the will of God, we'll survive, perhaps battered and bruised, but God will bring us through to the other side. And I want you to know this morning that even if your house has been blown down a time or two, it's never too late to rebuild on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Now that's how we lay a foundation. But a foundation is not a house. It's just the beginnings of a house. Now once the foundation is established, then we begin to build. And that's what we're doing with our lives every day. Every day we're building on that foundation. The question is, how well are we building? Are we being obedient to the will of God? Are we living in faithfulness to His Word? Are, are we doing our very best to love others? Are, are we using the gifts and graces that He has given us to build up the body of Christ and for the realization of His kingdom in this world? Have have we forgiven that relative who said that thing at Thanksgiving? Does God have our unqualified yes? If so, then I'd say we're building well. To the extent that we are doing that, we are building a quality building, a quality life. And we need to know that the quality of our lives will be tested in the life to come. See, the strength of our foundation will be revealed by the storms of life, but what we've built on that foundation will be tested by the fires of judgment. Let's look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. It says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through 
the flames. See, what we build, our lives will be judged. Now, this judgment is its a judgment that believers will face. It's, it's an accounting of what we did with what God gave us. Now, it's not a heaven or hell judgment. That's determined by faith in Jesus Christ alone and not by works. So, this is not a salvation issue. It's an evaluation issue. It's an evaluation of our lives to determine the extent of our reward. So, you see, the quality of our work will be tested. You know, the quality of my work used to get tested all the time. I was in the Air Force for 20 years, and the first 10 years of my time in the Air Force, I was a, a crew chief. Uh, if you don't know what that, that is, it's, it's an airplane mechanic. So we had these guys who walked around the flight line who had black ball caps on with white letters that said QA, stood for Quality Assurance. And you always kind of hated to see them coming because they'd come after you and whatever job you did, they'd look at it to see if you did it good enough. If it was a lube job, they'd look to make sure that you had fresh, clean grease on all the grease fittings and that all the cables were, were nice and clean and had a glisten of fresh grease on them. Or if you had just washed an airplane, they'd come along and say, well, you missed a spot there and you missed a spot there and you have to go back and clean it all over again. Or they come behind you <clears throat> after a pre-flight and check the tire pressures and make sure everything was in order. They were going around behind us checking the quality of our work. It's an important job because if you're flying in, in that airplane, you want, it, you want it to be quality work, right? But you know, really, I don't think it's quite like that with the Lord. It's not that kind of evaluation. I think it has more to do with our faithfulness. Did we walk in the good works that God determined beforehand that we should walk in? How did we use the gifts that God gave us in our lives? If we had a beautiful singing voice, did we sing for the Lord? If we had the, the ability to play a musical instrument, did we play it for the glory of the Lord? If God gave us the ability to be successful in business and to earn money, did we use it for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God? Did we use our, our strength and our mind for the advancement of the kingdom? Were we faithful with the things that He gave us? I think it has a lot to do with that, but I think it also has a lot to do with this. Did we really believe that Jesus loved us? Did we trust God? Did we love Him for all that we're worth? And did we love our neighbors as ourselves? That's the stuff that's going to come through the fire. And it'll come through the fire unscathed. The times that we loved and helped and forgave and encouraged without bragging, and without any expectation of reward. But the times that we did brag, the times that we did something just because it looked good, 
all the times that we were insincere or we looked for a favor in return, that stuff's going to burn up. There will be no reward for that kind of work in heaven. But where there was love, there will be reward. So let's all pray that God will help us to lay a firm foundation for our lives that will survive the torrents and all the big bad wolves of life and that He will also help us to build on that foundation with quality materials that will survive the fiery test of judgment. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we are indeed thankful for Your Word to us today. May it challenge us. May it minister to our hearts. May it work in us to shape us and to conform us into the kind of people that You want us to be. Lord, help us to build, to lay a firm foundation and then to build a quality life on it that we might receive our reward at the time of judgment. We love you today. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.